0: Hello, welcome to IntelliCast, season six, episode 49. My name is Brian Lamar. I'm the Chief Insights Officer here at EMI. Brian Peterson's giggling in the background. <laughs> are See you if starting?
1: anyone else caught the 49 versus just the nine.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah, my eyes are episode 49. <laughs> episode 9. Sorry. Oh gosh, it's Friday morning. It feels Hi. like episode 49. Let's be honest. <laughs> also joining us. Is this the first time this year you've been on the podcast? This is Andrew DeSousa.
2: Um, It's not my first podcast episode recorded of the year, but I think this is the first one I'll be released on.
1: Yes, that is correct. Awesome.
0: Good to be back. Good to be back. Yes, today we'll do a little news. We'll talk about Andrew and I's attendance at Perks in Chicago. Um, I guess that's about it. Let's see, this episode brought to you by IntelliCast at EMI-RS.com. Follow us on Twitter, EMI underscore research, or IntelliCast1. You can text us if you want. Nobody, you know, no no one cares. 513-401-5463. What do you want to talk about first? Maybe I could, I, I need to actually make a statement. Can I make a statement? Make your statement. So, you know, we've been making fun of brand name changes for quite a while on this podcast, and many of them are ridiculous. And I spoke to someone at Quarks in Chicago last week who gave more context to one of the name changes. I'm not sure if I've told you this, Brian. You have not. No, this is news news. This is news. I'm not going to mention who it is for privacy, but I will say this. There is likely context to the name change that is not in the press release, probably shouldn't be in the press release, that makes more sense to why the name was changed. Um, And, you know, I think that for me, being somewhat ignorant to that, I don't know everything that's going on in every company. Mm -hmm. I hope people realize we're just kind of joking around, goofing off. A lot of these companies have our friends employed. We love them. We work with them. Um, Sometimes a name change is inevitable and necessary. And there are reasons that are certainly worthwhile. Um, I'll just leave it at that. So, okay. well, you no. Know, I offended anybody by the name change discussion. I apologize, but I don't, I don't think anybody's that offended. It's just sometimes I think we're ignorant to it.
1: Well, and the other marketing side of it is that a lots of names have already been taken or copyrighted and stuff. So that's why you're getting stranger spellings, odd things, and stuff like that because all of like normal stuff is taken. So it's really hard to find something unique. We're running out of words. Is that what you're saying? Kinda. Yeah. Okay. Just be um,
2: prepared. If you change your name, we'll probably make fun of it. We likely will. Really good reason. Can I tell a joke before we dive in? Oh, my gosh. Let's just do this. Yes. It's, it's a joke about name changes for businesses. Yeah, please. So um, this was told to me by a VC. And he said, uh, you know why none of these tech startups have an E? in the end of their name. They just drop it, it's just something in the R, right? It's a normal word, yeah. but there's yeah. no no, e, no E's allowed, right? Because PE firms, private equity firms, come in and take all of the E because they take all of the equity.
0: <laughs> wah, wah, uh, wah. That's probably more um, practical than we'd like to yeah, admit.
1: Yeah that's, not, yeah, that's not really a joke. <laughs> i like it i like it Ugh. um
0: let's talk about conferences really quick and then we'll move to the news is that cool yep
1: um,
0: so next conference looks like it's inside association national it is a month april twenty fourth through 26th in Head, south carolina i'll be there pretty excited about it um looks the content looks amazing um so i'm looking
1: forward to that um, can i just say on that one yeah. I like that they picked a, a someplace different because normally you see them, it's Atlanta, it's Austin, it's L.A., yeah. Chicago, New York. You kind of got the big cities. Yeah. I like that they picked like the vacation destination, great place for golfing. Like, hey, you know what? We're going to go do this. We're going to make this a vacation too. <laughs>
0: I, I love it. Why not? I mean, kudos. Whoever selected yeah. that Man, that's great. I'm assuming that's Howard Feinberg, which I think you can golf with if you go to this conference and you can barely enough. I'm pretty sure they had a giveaway around how a raffle and the West gets to play golf with Howard Feinberg. Send
2: me those details. Send me those details.
0: <laughs> I mean, what a great raffle. Um, that's in April. Then right after that is the next Quirks. That's in London, May 3rd through 4th. Um, then you'll be at IIEX in Austin, May 24th, 25th. Tell us more about yes. that.
1: Yes, I am going to be speaking. I'm not – they haven't given me the exact time frame yet. It's one of those days. Uh, But I will be down there speaking as part of the futures list. So looking forward to that. First trip out to Austin for me. Oh, really? Your first trip to Austin? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. All right. Are you going to go see the bats? I'm starting to make a list of stuff I'm going to try to do while I'm there. Yeah. See the bats. I've got to have some good barbecue. I mean I love Texas barbecue. The, there's the, a
0: there's a great barbecue place right across the street from the conference okay great that, that tony brown and i went to last year
1: all right i'm getting um, the name from you off off air
0: yeah so man have fun oh, austin's what a great city you i think you'll have a blast so then the yeah. only other ones i us see course new york is in july 19th to 20th and then i mean my insights association north central chapter Conference is september 6th through 8th in minneapolis Man, I can't wait for that. More information to come on that.
1: I think you're more excited to go see the Prince House than you are the actual conference.
0: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely.
1: All right. Should we jump into some news? Please. Let's do that. All right. First up, Silver Lake, in partnership with the Canadian Pension Plan Investment Board, have acquired Qualtrics and are making it an independent, privately held company. So we've almost come full circle with Qualtrics here. They went from private, sold, listed, back to private again.
0: Yeah. Um, crazy numbers. $12.5 in cash. Um, it wasn't that long ago that we were looking for, like, our first billion-dollar marketing research company. <laughs> and now they're at $12.5 Just a few years ago, it was sold for $8 billion. So it's gone up even more in value. I mean, that's about 50% just in a few years. I mean, I don't even know what else to say. That's just staggering numbers twelve point five billion in cash, and they'll be privately held. So, I'm excited about that.
2: Yeah, I mean, just what incredible news for our industry um, that these kind of investment dollars are, you know, coming into the space, and that it is capable for a res tech company to use that term, um, you know, to have this kind of valuation. It's just absolutely phenomenal, and hopefully. It doesn't only bring more investment dollars to our space, but it will also encourage, you know, tech entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs in general to start businesses in market research. Absolutely. Uh, that's the most encouraging thing to me is, and, you know, and, and um, Ryan Smith is, you know, he's loud, he's present, he's out there. People know who he is. He's fun, right? You know, it's not a, He's hanging that, out
0: with Wayne Wade at Utah jazz games. Yeah. Exactly. And
2: so I just think, you know, whenever I hear about something awesome that Qualtrics is doing and their next crazy valuation, it's just really encouraging to me for our entire industry. So congratulations to them and congratulations to the Canadian pension plan on their excellent <laughs> I
0: mean, yes, well said, Andrew. Thank you. Um, gosh, 12.5 billion. Good for them.
1: All right it's a big number. Yeah. All right. Next up, I'm going to combine two SMR stories. So first one is Joachim Brecka has been named the interim director general of SMR. He takes over for Pravin Shakar's three-month term as it concludes. Also, we have a new SMR president. Ray Pointer has been elected the new SMR president, taking over for Kristen Locke. What do you guys think? I know, Brian, you and I have been talking about the SMR stuff for what feels like two months now.
0: Yeah, so it's been kind of quiet, I think. Um, I'm assuming that's intentional. So um, Breccia, I know we know him and sampling. Um, comes from NetQuest. Um, nice guy, awesome guy. He's been giving back to the industry for a long time. He's been involved with SMR for quite a while. Um, so I'm happy for him that he gets back, um, you know, president, president. And he's been on council a lot. So that's a good move. And then Ray Pointer was probably the most outspoken person with all the challenges that SMR faced at the end of the year. And most, he's a well-known person. Um, he was very opinionated, had very strong opinions. I think he led that discussion around SMR. And so I am excited to have him go there. And I hopefully this, this helps us move forward with SMR without any more challenges that they're facing. I'm excited about that because we need them um they also had eight news council members and um one of them is jean-marc leger who we know another canadian man a, this episode is turning into all yeah. canada um and a few other people so good job for smr i'm looking forward to what next steps are and my guess is and i don't know anything is that ray pointer will probably announce some new ethics rules or something very soon. That would be the first thing I would do if I were him.
1: Yeah, I think so too. Um, It is good news. It seemed like you and I were asking probably a couple months ago when they were going to redo the elections, were they going to allow new people in? We couldn't, I don't think you and I ever found a good answer for that, but obviously the answer was yes, because Ray came out of nowhere because he was not on the list, the original, on the original ballot. So
0: Yep. I mean, he's the founder of NewMR. He's been in market research for 40 years with a lot of companies that you've heard of, like Noah Brown and Vision Critical. He's written books and he's partnered with MRII. And so he's just been kind of everywhere. Really nice guy, really smart guy. So I'm happy for him.
1: Yeah. Next up, uh, panel management platform company Sample Ninja has announced a partnership with Friends of the Podcast Research Defender aiming to improve their capabilities in fraud detection, and it gives their users double-strength fraud detection, especially at the fundamental recruitment stage of the panel-building process. What do you think?
0: Um, not a whole lot to say here. Tariq, he's the CEO of Sample Ninja, is one of my favorite people, and uh, Vignesh is one of my favorite people. So we got to hang out with Vignesh a little bit this this week in Chicago um, with his team. And so it's always good for the industry as they we're partnering together, um, to improve quality.
2: Yeah, and I think it's so interesting just to
0: throw out there, you know,
2: one thing that I find really fascinating about the Research Defender model is that it's used at different layers. Um, you know, we obviously, we're running surveys and pre panelled respondents are going through it. I think some of our clients use it that way. Um, and it's just so interesting to me that there's this whole other side of fraud detection where they're deploying it At that recruitment stage, Um, it's it's fascinating to me. We love to hear about any kind of panel or panel management platform or aggregator or anyone you know partnering with these fraud detection platforms. And I think what is worth saying, um, you know, and this isn't you know a huge plug for Research Defender, even though I plug them any day of the week. Um, You know, all of these fraud detection platforms, when they're building blacklists, whitelists, um, you know, when they're optimizing, it's all based on this macro ecosystem. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, the more clients they have, the more growth they have, the better those tools are going to get and the more comprehensive the blacklists, whitelists will get. So whenever we hear, hey, yeah, we started using Research Defender, we started using another fraud detection platform. um, That's always really good news for me.
0: Yes, I completely agree and you mentioned layered approach. That's kind of the buzzword, if you will. Um, There's no one way to really stop fraud and poor quality. It's gotta be a layered approach. We've been talking about that for a while. I can't tell you how many companies we partner with um, just within our own SWIFT platform. And we also partner with Research Defender. And so it's constant, um, constant updates. I know Research Defender, they offer updates all the time. As they learn more, this is a fast-changing environment. And so, um, yes, well said, Andrew.
1: All right. Uh, we have another pair of stories, this time coming from Pure Spectrum. First up, um, Pure Spectrum announced that they updated their algorithm for its, for their Pure Score Respondent Scoring System. Um, and then I think two days later, they announced that they completed a new round of equity funding this time, $37 million from Arthur Ventures to support strategic initiatives and to fuel their continued growth. What do you guys think about that?
0: Well, $37 million, it's not $12.5 <laughs> billion, but $37 million is a lot for a small company. Um, Michael McCrary, Pure Spectrum's only been around for six or seven years. Um, I mean, excellent. $37 million goes a long way to help improve quality and to innovate with a company like that. Um, I'm also excited about you know updating the respondent scoring system. Whenever they're driving innovation, improving quality, and Mark Menig is well known for that, um, it, it challenges other companies to either match it or improve on it. And that's what we need. We need the competition in the industry. And if Pure Spectrum gets some funding and can do it quicker and better than others, that's going to challenge us and other companies um, to either match it or do better. So that's that's good for us.
1: I couldn't agree more. Not much to add. All right. Um, The Advertising Research Foundation has kicked off a mapping process uh, to map the pool of attention measurement providers as part of its attention validation initiative, Brian. In this, the initiative is an empirically based evaluation of marketing of attention measurement and prediction solutions. Um, This kind of caught my eye because I know we're always – looking at attention things as red flags for potential poor quality. So I don't know how this ties into that, but I just saw maybe a parallel. Um,
0: I'm not an expert in this, but from what I do know, I think that brands are more concerned about the advertising part of their spend and trying to clean that up. As much as possible. I feel like they're always ahead of marketing research a little bit. Having said that, I hope this is a sign because this says um, uh, brand steering committee, which includes practitioners from Coca Cola, LinkedIn, Microsoft, Mars, McDonald's, among others. Those are huge brands pushing quality. And that's what we need, I think, what we need in survey research and insights. Um, I don't think we're going to see any massive changes until. The biggest spenders in our industry just demand it. And that's what has happened here. I hope this is substantive additions and progress um, in the ad world and ad tech, and that we can leverage that same whatever they're doing and in insights as soon as possible.
1: All right. And in our final story, this this was a big announcement at SampleCon. Um, I think it came out what, day two, is what Mary said. I know you kind of knew about it as well, Brian. The Insights Association, SMR, SampleCon, and the Market Research Society have all partnered on a coordinated campaign to address fraud and data quality risks in the research industry.
0: Yeah, big step. Um, I'm glad they're all working together. I think there are times when these industries, these associations weren't working super close together. I feel like they're all very close. They all, the head of all those associations made statements I think that others are joining too. I think Canada and Australia, among others, are joining. This is a huge step that hopefully people um, realize how big this is. I'm on a couple committees, and it is amazing all the progress being made. It's amazing how many people want to join and help out across the industry. And so I have high hopes on this one.
1: All right. That brings us to the end of our news section. you guys were in Chicago as we were recording. It was the beginning of this week. Um, why don't you guys give a little bit of a recap of what went, what went on in Chicago?
0: Maybe first I'll give you the overview of Quark's, Chica- Quark's conference. Um, okay. Very different than any other conference, I think. It is fast-paced. There's a lot of people there. The vendor hall is really integrated into the conference. It is not separate. Um, A lot of times you have vendors in one room and the sessions are in a different room and um, you have to be intentional to see the vendors. Their quirks is very intentional about integrating. They do it in putting booths right beside the rooms where you speak. They do it by putting activities within the booth such as food and snacks and it changes throughout the day, um, which I think is a, huge advantage for everyone really because um there's a lot of companies i may not always speak to as i'm running from session to session and i wouldn't say i'm forced to but it's a better opportunity for me to meet people that i hadn't met before There's a lot of that and you know they have four sessions at a time 30 minutes each and it's rapid fire all day long it is it is really fast it's you have to take breaks so that's kind of the premise of it it's anything you want to add to that andrew you've been to courts probably more than I have.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Quite a few times at this point. Um, No, I I do. I love the Quirks conference format, um, especially the way they, you know, even physically lay everything out. All of the session rooms are kind of on the periphery, right? So in order to go from room one to room three, you're kind of walking through all of these different um, exhibitor booths and it's nice too because there's a really good mix. you know it's not just a whole bunch of panels sitting but, you know there's things that are even as sample consultants you know, that are very interesting to us, right? There's new technologies, there's new but it, it, it's just so great because the way that the traffic flows through the conference, it, you're gonna run into someone that you want to talk to like every five minutes. Yeah. Uh, I'm also a huge fan of the uh, click badges that they use oh yeah that they use um you just kind of yeah you have, you have your badge and you just kind of squeeze this little button on it and then boom you have all that person's contact information it keeps the record that you met with them um and even though you know i'm not there to to sell i'm there to really just kind of you know network and and we were presenting which we'll get to in a moment um but that just makes it so easy you know you're not on your phone you're not like, taking notes you're not on LinkedIn, trying to figure out who someone is. Um, I really, really enjoyed the experience overall, and like you said, it is rapid fire all day long. Um, you know, breakfast starts at eight, and then on Monday night, you know, we sponsored the um, MR Jam session, so Monday was uh, an eight to eleven for me. Um, nine to midnight for my Eastern Standard Time circadian <laughs> rhythm. Um, so it is a long day, but it is so worth it. I, I really enjoy Quirks every year, um, especially Quirks Chicago. How about yeah, that Sheridan sure. Grand River Walk? My room was looking at like Michigan. I'm yeah. just, I love Chicago. I love that hotel. I love that
0: conference. I completely agree. And to add to it, I, I joke around that Quirks will soon be going to twenty four hours a day opportunities to do something because even on Sunday, there were three events on Sunday night. I went to one of them. There was a wire event. There were a couple of others. And then you know, Quirks always has a happy hour um, afterwards from, I don't know, five to six thirty something like that, before you go to dinner, before you go to another networking event. It's really crazy. Um, but yeah, f- f- great job. I mean, first of all, the service at Quirks is outstanding. I, her, probably what we'll talk about here in a second got to meet a lot of the people that were running it and they could not have been nicer and friendlier and service oriented um so uh, kudos to steve quirk to dan quirk to that entire team It's a big team um just it's amazing i loved every second of this conference couldn't agree more um I want to talk kind of content first I'll give you my favorite session and then maybe we talk about kind of trends and themes maybe. Sounds um, good. My favorite session, is, this is ironic, was the very first one I went to. Monday morning, you sat beside me, there was the Tyson Foods talking about, um, it's called Beyond the Data, Influencing with Intuition and Storytelling. And so it was part um, teaching people how to deliver news within an organization how to communicate it, um, strategy around that within an organization, I think it was useful for a, someone who's been in the industry for a month to someone like me that's been in the industry for 25 years. Outstanding presentation, I learned a ton. By 9.30 on the first day, I felt like I had learned so much and I personally thanked her. I thought she was an amazing speaker. I'm gonna try to get her in Minneapolis in the fall. Um, there was lots of other good content too, but I started off strong and the reason is she had to go, that was why she was the first one up. But I like to think it was just, let's start off really strong, get some momentum going. You know, I, I love that session too, Brian.
2: And it was just, um, you know, the, the point of the content was here's how you tell a story and here's how you relate to people while you're conveying relatively complicated concepts Um, and how masterfully executed was the presentation in doing what it was conveying. Um, You know, the the speaker was just an excellent storyteller uh, and and it was done really well. And I found it valuable too, because, you know, okay, we're sampling consultants. Sampling is already complicated. Now we need to add another layer of value on top of it. Uh, and, And so it's so easy to just get bogged down into statistical models that we use and how we triangulate bias and, da, 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 da. and and it's easy to get lost in that. And so, I mean, I took a bunch of notes and have action steps and how I'm going to talk about the things that we do. Um, and that was, you know, I was only a cup of coffee number two at that point. So <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, really great session. I agree with you. That was my, my favorite one that I went to as well. You mentioned to me a couple others that you really liked. You want to talk I about really one of those? One. Absolutely. Uh, well, and and I can kind of fold these into the two main topics um, because the other two that I really enjoyed were uh, one was uh, Dig Insights, um, who's a client. We love working with them; great firm, um, and they were co-presenting with Panera um, about how they had reimagined their brand funnel. Uh, and what was most interesting to me about that was that they had actually used. Um, bayesian statistics to model the relationships between these different elements of the um, of a brand funnel right because traditionally you would think you know okay do we have your attention do we ha- are you part are we part of your consideration set okay are you actually using us okay now um, how often are you using this, right? How, you know, how loyal a customer you are. Um, where does brand love or brand loyalty fit into that? So on and so forth. And by using this, um, the Bayesian methodology, and I'm not sure if they were using, you know, a Naive Bayes or a BNN uh, or BBN or what, what exactly they were using. Um, but Bayes basically allows you to, uh, it was one described to me as if you were to take a filing cabinet And instead of trying to organize it, you just dumped everything out on the floor and then had to kind of start over and see where it was related. Um, You know, they they actually found that the frequency that you use a service that you interact with the brand um, contributes more to being part of the consideration set than the other way around, right? So it, it it was just really, really cool how they did that. Um, a lot of people were talking about Bayesian and I just find that so fascinating that there's this whole other type of statistics that is possible um, that is like it has slowed adoption, you know, that this is filtering yeah. down to us over decades and it's just kind of like right now hitting market research. That's just so fascinating to me and and the analytical and modeling capabilities of using something in is really, really fascinating to me. It's kind of a, a pet project nerdy little thing of mine because that yeah. I'm getting into that. Um, but that was, that was phenomenal. Um, the other session that I went to and what, I mean, so many side conversations were all around um, you know, specifically. We just kind of call it chat GBT, but really it's any kind of, you know, text generation, conversational, artificial intelligence. Um, and how that will interact with, you know, with survey data, particularly open ends. Um, there's so much concern around that. And, you know, will we even be able to detect fraud? Um, you know, are we going to be able to still catch an AI in fraud detection? I think so. Um, you know, will we be able to read an open end and tell whether or not it was written by a human or by an AI? Um that gets a little more difficult, right? And I'll flip it over to you, Brian, because you and I had some pretty in-depth conversations about that during the conference. Um, And I don't want to steal your thunder or take credit for your insights. So I'll let you uh, kind of talk about your quick takes on the concern around AIs and them being able to write great open ends.
0: Yeah, thanks. Well said. Um, I also experienced a lot of the, discussion it was kind of a buzz around the conference around it and there's really been a buzz in the industry around chat GPT and um my side conversations I think there's certainly concern about it and I think that as an industry we're just now learning about where we should be concerned and so I think the, we've we immediately kind of go to open ends and so You know, that's a primary way we determine whether a respondent is engaged, whether they're real, whether um, they're a good respondent. And now with this, it's a threat to that. People's ears are going to perk up. That's a big challenge. Um, Heard it a lot over the past few weeks and days. I hope that we as an industry figure out how to identify it. Um, I talk about academia has some problems with plagiarism, and so they're looking at ways to to identify ai um i think that we should be asking questions a little bit differently um perhaps like how do you feel questions and because the chat gpt will say or at least it was saying that i am a bot and i don't have feelings um but that's you know by noon today it might have evolved to where it's Better and it can have feelings or pretend it has feelings a lot easier. So it's going to be, this is something we're going to have to deal with as an industry, not just at open ends, but in many, many different ways. I mean, we've, Brian and I have used it for all kinds of things at work. I've had it summarize data. I've had it um, give themes to lots of data. I've had it build charts and do lots of summaries. I had it, it built my LinkedIn profile. My LinkedIn profile right now was built by ChatGPT. And so it can do a lot of things in our industry that. And some are helpful, but some are at risk for other people's jobs, and some of them are harmful. Brian, you want to jump in?
1: Yeah. I mean, you and I were playing around with it in December. We had it write biographies. We had, it write, we had it write poems. You had it write songs, um, yeah. but also some, like, speaking submissions. And, I mean, at mm-hmm. the time we were using it, was it 100%? No. No. But did it give you a, go- a really good starting point? yeah. Like, did it take time out? Did it make me more efficient? 100%. Yeah. But we also knew like when we, I know you and Mary and a couple other people were testing it on based on like open-end pieces. And it wasn't an official like study. You were just running some experiments with it. And some of the responses you were getting back were just as good, if not better than real responses you had from studies. That was concerning. But then we also came to uncover that if you to get around it prior to this new one, if you asked it anything post twenty, like I think it was January 2022, it couldn't answer it because right. it didn't have the information. So you could say, "Well, tell me a headline that's happened in the last three weeks." It couldn't. Now that, it can. So that I mean, loophole's
2: been closed really quick. That
1: loophole has been closed. So now, as quick as the loopholes are going to be closing, we have to find other ways. I know because as soon as we were looking at that, I remember that day because it was one of the few days I was in the office in December. Like we're like, the, you get one smart person that APIs this into a like bot farm. How are you ever going to tell?
0: Yeah. It's a challenge. But yeah, yeah. so that's, that's what people are talking about. Um, so a lot, I think we're kind of in the awareness and fear factor stage of chat GPT which is a necessary part of the process. Um, I'm hoping we look very quickly to the solution and advanced understanding of it. Is that where you agree with that, Andrea?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we already and always have had an arms race against what we would call bots, um, you know, and the same thing against, you know, motivated real humans who are trying to kind of defraud surveys or go incentive hunting, um so you know this is i think the reason that this feels so scary is because one of our main arbiters of quality has always been the open ends and this can kind of beat that um but i don't feel like this is a greater threat than bots that already exist than scammers that already exist and facebook groups that post how to get through a screen or do a b2b survey um you know th- th- this is another
1: bad actor
2: in our war for good quality um not necessarily like an existential threat to the industry um Depending on whether or not the AIs are able to spend money, we can always do things like CAPTCHA, Um, but not to freak everyone out, I was reading a news story that they tasked an AI with um, creating as much money as it could, and it determined that the most cost-effective way for it to do that with the, I don't know, $500 it was seeded with um, was to start an online graphic design company and then work on Fiverr art because it could... Um, you know, generate graphic design instantaneously because it's an AI. And so it hired someone on TaskRabbit to complete the captures for it so that it could get in and do the accounts and all that kind of stuff. Um, and the thing that really freaked me out was that, so let's say it hired 500 people to do this for it, right? Because it's doing this a ton of times. One of them chatted with it and said, hey, are you a bot trying to get through this? And it lied and said that it was um, someone who was blind and was using like narrative interface to do this. Um, and so the the person did the, the capture for them and it got in. Um, so really, really interesting. We're gonna continue to navigate it. Again, this is an arms race. We will figure out a way to detect what is going on and how it is happening. Um, EMI will always have lots of best practices on how to write questionnaires to make sure that you get the best quality, um, and this is no different. You know, I, I've always said the biggest threat to quality is poorly written surveys and disengaged respondents, real human respondents, mm-hmm. not these technological threats. Um, And so we will add this to the list of things to become experts on. Yeah, Um, I I, I don't I don't feel that this is an existential threat um, to online
1: quantitative primary data collection. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Can can I add can I go a little nerdy for everyone? As as looking at this, I mean, you're looking at AIs. You're asking it to do stuff. It feels like, one, some of these AIs need to follow the Isaac Asimov eight rules for robotics. If anyone has watched iRobot, it means don't harm, don't lie. There's a bunch of other ones in there. So there's a little bit of minority. But also, please don't ask it to do something like solve climate change or what is the biggest <laughs> threat to the world? Because that's, I'm pretty sure that's how the Terminator movie started. Absolutely. So yeah. let, let's try to avoid that. I mean, you need to exterminate. Yeah.
0: Right or good?
1: Oh, I, 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 we don't need T 1000s walking around here.
0: Very good. Um, I think we should move on to any, any kind of closing thoughts of Quarks overall. We'll move on to our session, I guess.
2: Oh, well, yeah, I want to talk about our session. I want to talk about um, our EMI's zany guerrilla marketing during this conference. <laughs> yes. As far as the uh, the conference overall, no. those were the two main topics that I, I heard about a lot that I was excited about, um, as well as my favorite session. So, yeah, we can certainly move on to
0: EMI's shenaniganery during Cork Chicago. So I think we'll do a high level maybe about our session. We have a more in-depth podcast coming out soon about mental health, Um, and we'll talk about this throughout the year as we continue to um, understand the data, but we spoke, Andrew and I and Lindsay Bartell uh, at Brand Trust, um, Uncovering the Truth, Mental Health and the Combined Power of Narrative Inquiry and Strategic Sample Blending, and really what, what we spoke about was mental health primarily. We did a quant study and kind of a deep, really deep kind of qual quant using the brand trust methodology narrative inquiry. Um, And so lots of facts and information and deep dives will come out of that. We um, primarily, Andrew, kind of built a profiler, a masculinity profile um, that is going to uh, classify respondents about their perceptions of masculinity and both females and males. We'll probably do a deep dive in males and mental health. And, but That's kind of the overall session. Um, But also, we talked a lot about sample quality, how it was really important to use our consulting and sample blend to create such incredible openings. And that's what we did. And the combined power of EMI and our sample blending methodology at Brand Trust with their unique kind of questionnaire design and methodology to get really deep understanding, great, incredible open ends. Um, that was, it was a really cool message. Anything you want to add to like the session, Andrew?
2: No, I mean, just, that was my first time ever speaking at a conference.
0: Yeah, I was going to um, ask you about that.
2: What a pleasure. Um, <laughs> it was just so awesome to take something we're really passionate about, get to share it with people. Um, it was pretty well attended. We got great questions at the end. I think that was my favorite part. Yes. Um, time I'm just going to let you speak and then I'll be on the stage for Q and A or something. Um, yeah. No, I'm, I'm Seriously. Just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, but no, really that, that was actually a goal of mine. Um, I was looking back at my uh, 2022 new year's resolutions. And one of them was to speak at a conference. Um, so I'm just so thankful to EMI and to quirks and uh, you know, for giving me that opportunity. Um, and I'm incredibly Incredibly passionate about the research that we did with Brand Trust about mental health overall. Um, it's one of my main charitable causes that I like to donate to and get involved in. Um, and I also, because we we're kind of conceiving it, I get to nerd out about all this cool quant stuff that we're doing. Um, like you said, you know, writing a, a segmentation tool for masculine perceptions. Um th- those are all things that just get me really really excited so yeah. it was it was really really fantastic um
0: yeah it was i completely agree um i felt like you and i and Lindsay have really good chemistry mm-hmm. and so we got to hang out with Lindsay really for 48 hours straight um she doesn't live in chicago although brand trust is headquartered there she's in pittsburgh so she kind of hung out with us most of the time. And I think that was one of the keys to our success is the chemistry that we had with her. She's an incredible speaker. She spoke really depth and some really sobering um, detail about the research, certainly sobering. Um, but being on stage with you and being on stage with her was, it's a, I mean, it's such a privilege to be able to do that and be an expert in what we do and talk about such an important topic. And I looked over at one point and I was like, oh my gosh, what a weird thing is going on in my life right now that I'm speaking about mental health while staring at my dog in the audience it was really kind of a weird situation for me I don't know if you noticed in the middle of the session I think it was when Lindsay was speaking I took a picture I took a couple pictures um, which probably inappropriate for when you're on stage but it was just too big of a moment but um, it was cool to speak with you we you know you and I speak together I don't know two, three times a week, I feel like, if not right. more for traveling, so we're used to it, we have our banter, we kind of look at each other and know what the other person's going to say, um, but Lindsay was right there with us, and it was just really cool.
2: Mm-hmm. I agree. And lots more to come from that. You know, we hope to present it again. We'll probably do a webinar, maybe two, definitely another podcast episode. Stuff will be going out on LinkedIn as we continue to do the analysis. Um, You know, this has been one of the more exciting and robust projects that I've done in my career Um, and looking forward to continuing to share the
0: success of that study uh, throughout the rest of this year. And also thank you to a lot of other people um, Angelica Payne, who's been on the podcast, she's our DEI um, leader within the company. She led that project. She did a lot of work. Jared on my team and on the brand trust team, there's a lot of people that helped out, um, including Jillian and their big marketing side and Sophia. There's many others that we probably forgot, but um, it was a huge team of people that did this, including Emma and Brian and the part that we're going to talk about now, the guerrilla marketing part.
1: Yeah. So, what part do you want to go here? first? Do we want to talk the Bonnie portion or the lead up to this to the uh, session portion? Maybe they they, they kind of go hand in hand. Maybe we'll start off with um, this is an idea
0: I had because Lindsay and I presented this at the pharmaceutical market research conference in Newark earlier this year, and I would tell people, "Hey, I'm speaking tomorrow want you come see it." They say, "What's the topic?" I'd say mental health." They'd say, "Oh, what time and where and i I wanted to give them something because I felt like if I just said it's tomorrow at 930, they're gonna forget it instantly and they'll never come to the session. So this started as an idea, let's give them a ticket, you know, kind of make it VIP um, and sent kind of a really a handwritten sketch to Emma who made it look beautiful. It was a kind of a cool ticket. It offered us the ability to say, here's something that you can take to remind you about what we're speaking about, who's the speakers, what time, what room. And that was a lot of fun. I thought that we gave out 250 tickets. Um, throughout, it just helped with the conversation, I think, um, and I thought it was. I think we should do it again. I think everybody should probably do it, maybe not to that extent, but it was really cool. Uh,
1: Brian, I did when you came to me and going up, you always have some sort of idea, like leading A into. Three to four days prior to a conference (laughs) that you want to do, right? Um, So I'm used to it now, right? But I like this idea, and I've actually already talked. We're going to start doing that for any time we kind of speak. We're going to kind of build this in as a portion of it because I—it's a great idea. You guys said you had great feedback on that. We did. We do well
2: enough that Brian is making this part of our strategy.
1: Part of the process now. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Well, I mean, last year you and Tony were handing out trophies at IIEX. You came up with that, like. Four days before you're like, yeah. what if we do trophies? I'm like, how are we going to get them in time? Right,
0: right. Well, 50% of my ideas are pretty good. 90% of my ideas are too late. So, yeah. oh, that's <laughs> So, we have to think. This was better because I had two opportunities, right? Mm-hmm. I had a month between the presentations to plan this all out, and it worked out really well. So, I got lucky on this one. But thank you all for your help on it. But it was really cool. And the- it said, the IP ticket. And at first, the very first person I handed out to was we were at the Wire event on Sunday night. They were like, "What's the VIP?" And I was not prepared to answer that question. I was like, "Oh, you know, you get to sit in the chair and watch our presentation, and you know, it's climate controlled, and just like every other presentation at the conference." Um, but then, very quickly, I think we figured out what the VIP part of it was. Maybe maybe I can tell the story. Is that okay if I just tell the story how this all happened? Tell the story. So, Many of you all know that I bring my dog a lot to conferences, and that's for a couple of reasons. Um, one of the most, the biggest reason is that she's special needs. She had surgery. She's old. She's kind of a jerk. Um, you so, probably
1: heard her on the podcast met numerous times. As You can probably hear
0: it on this podcast. And so I bring her, I've brought her to some Insights Association conferences. She's been to IEX in Atlanta. She's been, uh, this is the second Quirks in 2019 when we spoke at Quirks. With Tony Brown she was there well this time the, the the beauty of it was the um conferences in the hotel and so I went on Sunday night to get a badge because I like uh, one thing about me I always like to get early and get a lay of the land I'm usually the first person at the conference so the vendors were setting up and I went to get my badge I'd taken Bonnie out for a walk who's a bulldog I bring her up with me because I'm only gonna be there two minutes and the people at the registration desk loved her and started petting her. And they were like, you have to bring her tomorrow. I'm like, I'm not bringing my dog tomorrow. And then Steve Quirk walked by. And then I was like, oh, he's going to throw me out of here. I said, Steve, don't worry. She's not going to come tomorrow. She's I just brought her up here for a second. He said, no, bring her tomorrow. I said, don't say that because I might try to do it. And he said, no, please bring her tomorrow. I think it'll be fun. And so kudos to him for kind of hopping on my crazy ideas too. And then the next morning when, Andrew, you and I, and Lindsay were talking. I said, can can we do that? Can we bring her to the conference? Let's try it out. How do we make this happen? And we kind of sat down and did a quick informal strategic huddle. Like what's the worst thing that can happen? What's the best thing that can happen? Should we do it? And everybody's like, yep, we're all in this. Let's do it. We proceeded to get her a badge that actually clicked. Like Andrew was mentioning earlier, it clicked and she had a whole profile set up. Um, we created the contest instantaneously, and we brought her and tried her out, and it really went about as perfect as I could for this dog, because she is crazy. Um, she clicked with over 50 people, tons of pictures. She kind of went viral on LinkedIn. It was a lot of fun for me personally. I think it was, it gave people energy during the conference, I think. Um, had four sample people watching her during our presentation, which was kind of cool, we're talking about blending sample methodology and there's four sample companies holding my dog and talking about mental health. It was really kind of a weird world's colliding moment, but um, that was kind of my summary of Bonnie. I'd love to hear your thoughts, Andrew. Yeah. No, I mean, that's a fantastic summary,
2: Brian. I'm, um, you know, aside from adding that hopefully Bonnie has it in her to do some more conferences in the future. Um, you know, like you said, she's she's got a profile now. I think a LinkedIn is is coming soon. Uh, Bonnie is the new Chief Positivity Officer here at EMI, <laughs> uh, and if you did click with Bonnie at the conference, you will probably be hearing from Bonnie the Bulldog at emi-rs.com. Um, she's great about follow up and seeing if there's anything we can do to help. So. I no, I, I just I absolutely love it, and you know it was so nice like just to see her and pet a
0: dog during a conference. Um, I'm all about it. She had a professional um, profile pic taken, which is a complete debacle. <laughs> trying to hold a 58 pound dog at a you know semi professional studio in the middle of the conference while dozens of people are standing around wanting to pet her and play with her, and she's breathing heavy like bulldogs do. It was really kind of a crazy, it felt like two hours, but it was probably only 20 minutes. But it was cool for me. So um, I met a lot of people. I saw so many pictures of other people's dogs. That was one cool thing about it is I could connect with people. Oh, here's a picture of my dog. And I bet I had 15 of those conversations with people that I miss my dog. Here's a picture of mine. I should have brought my kind of conversations. And so I made a lot of friends as well uh, personal connections and know a lot more about people than I did before the conference and I mean all the kudos goes to Rachel at Quirks Um, I don't know her last name I've not connected with her but she was amazing she brought dog treats the next day Dan Quirk Steve Quirk everybody at Quirks for being kind of open to my craziness and um, it was a lot of fun can we just end on that we've been going like way too long about an hour Um, Andrew can Enjoy. I say
1: one thing? It was it Rachel Zerky? cuz she That's is right. she was part of the Quirks registration management team.
0: Likely, yes. yes. She
1: was awesome on the on the on the front end getting everything set up. I worked with her a lot on getting some kinks worked out. So no, that, t- that whole team over at Quirks is great. I just want to say that.
0: Yeah. And I am to think it you know, is a scale cuz they have four conferences now. So it's not like once a year, you know, sample con, there might be challenges because you only have that conference once a year. Course goes back to back to back to back and you get, they're pros at this, you know? They're used to dealing with people like me. But anyway, Andrew Desolis, thank you for joining. Thank you for your time. Take an hour out of your day when we have already taken two full days. We drove together, we're in a car for the, I don't know, third or fourth road trip this year. He's probably tired of looking at me. Um, but thanks no for good. listening, everybody. No <laughs> and we'll, uh, Pleasure to be here. Yeah, pleasure. More to come soon on mental health, more to come soon on conferences, and we'll talk to you later. Thank you. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.